I'm Robert Enright and I'm David B. Lyons and welcome to the Two Indie Authors podcast where we will be having weekly chats about life as independent authors, discussing key topics in the world of self-publishing and speaking with fellow independent authors and indeed industry professionals, all with the aim of figuring out how we can be successful at this game. This, Rob, is episode number two. Number two, we've come back for more. We've come back for more and I hope our listeners have too. Yeah, well, hopefully, and I would like to preface this episode by saying, and you can attest this, David, because you can see me, my mouse is nowhere near my desk, and there will be no clicking. Yes, <laughs> we had some click, 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 click in episode one. That has been deleted. Teething uh, problems. For this one. Teething problems. Teething problems. There, there, shall, there shall be no more. No. <laughs> we begin, as we always do, every podcast will begin with me and Robert discussing our week that was. How did you get on over the past seven days, buddy? Um, yeah, really good. So, uh, where was I last week? I had, um, like a day and a half left to finish a book, I think was, uh, right. where I was at and I did it. I managed to do oh, it. Oh, cool. Well done. Nice. So in my first week as a full-time author, um, I just dedicated, obviously just writing, um, I did 27 and a half thousand words in a week, which was in a week. Yeah. Oh, wow. I know. I just went hell for leather on it. Um, wow. so that's now off to my editor, uh, which is really exciting because this is book number nine in the series, um, which also means I get another box set, which we can discuss yes. um, reasons why they're really um, useful and popular. Um, but then, yeah, so mm-hmm. this week, because I'm not writing this week, because that one's obviously off, I've just obliterated my admin. That's just been stacking up over over time. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll show you. Maybe maybe we'll we'll put a video. I I built the nerdiest spreadsheet you'll ever see to track my uh, sales and stuff. Great, yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm sort of allergic to spreadsheets uh, myself. But uh, you talk about admin there. It probably should be something we should make as a main talking point. Actually, as one of the podcasts, because sometimes when I tell other authors and authors do hang about in a lot of social media groups that I'm an independent author, they go, oh, I couldn't put up with the admin. And <laughs> and, and, and I think it, it genuinely isn't that bad. It It's not if you stay on top of it. And that's what yeah. I haven't been doing for a while. Yeah. So I had like a spreadsheet that I built a couple of years ago. So I used to do data and stuff in my previous job, like data analysis. So yes. spreadsheets have been my life professionally for life. years. So sitting down, designing one, building one, writing all the formulas isn't, that tricky um yeah but i had one that tracked i think i built one when 2020 i think and i think i stopped updating it mid 2021 so uh, i had a fair bit to catch up on but again i just you know i've got the the time now to sit and to sit and build it for how many hours it takes but so yeah i've just it said as long as you stay on top of your admin it doesn't become hours worth of stuff. If you take time every month to just, you know, update what you need to update, send off what you need to send, then then it's actually yeah. not too bad. Um, I think people get intimidated no, by it, but people get intimidated by it, but it's um it really isn't that bad. But I I guess it depends on what way your brain works. My brain, I think the right side of my brain is heavy, the left side of my brain is weak. So when it comes to creative, like creating ads and creating sort of uh marketing techniques. I don't mind that. That that sort of administrative work is easy to me. Uh, running accounts and spreadsheets now is the left side of the brain, and that doesn't work with me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I guess it depends on who you are and and how you work to to sort of understand what parts of the admin work for you and what parts might annoy you. But the great thing about in the authoring is you are always in control. Mm-hmm. So there are things that I don't like. I don't like spreadsheets. So I can't really handle Amazon ads because it, it it relies on spreadsheets if you really want to capitalize on it. So I outsource that. Mm. And that's the great thing about being an indie author. You can outsource parts you don't like, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. And in fact, we're actually going to take a, a bit of a dive into marketing today. Um, Rob writes quicker than me. And the last week I've written probably about somewhere around 10,000 words thereabouts. So I'm just uh, going to cut in there, David. 
yeah. around 10,000 words, thereabouts. Specifically yeah. how many? Because I think you made a guarantee oh. last week on the on the podcast that you were going to write 10,000 words. Otherwise, uh, you were going to be banned from watching TV. I did, like an idiot make that. Yeah, you should, um, shouldn't have made such a bold claim. <laughs> well, the thing is, I know that I aimed to write... 2,000 words per day, and I did meet that. So we definitely got to the 10,000. I can, I can watch Netflix again. There you go. Thank you, your thank t- you, Robert. Your TV time has been returned to you. <laughs> TV time has been returned. <laughs> Grazie. Um, I also had some great news this week. I've had a big production company sort of make tentative phone calls over the last couple of weeks oh, wow. about um, one of my books, and we're getting into heavy detail now of discussion, of, of writing up some scripts and, and meetings in London. So I will continue updating our listeners on how that goes over the next few weeks or maybe in the lead up to Christmas because with television it takes so bloody long and there's so many pitfalls that you can fall through so it's hard to get excited about these things because you could be Aaron Sorkin you could be the best screenwriter in the world and he's even trying to get product projects made that he can't get made so it's really sort of it's a vulnerable process but um I aim to keep um our listeners up to date with how I'm going in that as the week goes on. So um, at the moment, there's sort of a bit of confidential back and forth with me and a big production company in London. But as soon as we sit down and talk and I understand where we're at, I'd be happy to fill you all in. That's cool. Um, Just Aside from that, I'm still trying to get this novel down. This is my ninth novel, the third in my trilogy. So we're we're getting there. Uh, I have a release date of December 9th. It's a week after mine. A week after yours comes out, is it? Is it literally December second? Yours? Yeah, Friday the second. So, I've put my pre-order up this week. I put my pre-order up this week too, so that's something else we both did this week, and um, it's not even finished. So that sort of gives me. I don't like doing that, but I felt I had to do it with this book because it was taking quite a while to get to complete it. So that's given me the big kick up the arse that I needed. Yeah, um, going back to your um, the production company. Yeah, which is really cool, really exciting. Um, mm-hmm. Adds a bit of mystery as well because it's all shrouded in secrecy at the moment. At the um, moment. Because you're independent, did they re- they reached out to you directly? So you're in control of this negotiation. Yes, well, I am independent, but I have signed to a great agent. Ah, okay. I signed up with um, Joanna Swainson and um, Hardman and Swainson, who are a brilliant agency, also based down in London. Um, and they have a guy, Mark, who works for them, who exclusively just works with screenplays and adapting books into okay. movies or TV shows. But these guys, this production company reached out to me directly. They had read this book. And funnily enough, before they even read it, in fact, the reason they were reading it was because they thought they would like to make a drama series based on this topic. And then they read it, got in contact with me. My first instinct was to contact my agent and let let her know Mm -hmm. this is what's happening. But I've since had a couple of telephone conversations directly with the production company. And so what I've said to them and to my agent was, all I'm interested in the moment is the creative of if we can get this done and how can we transition this from book to screen. Um, And I've written up a big TV treatment of how it should be done. That's why we're meeting with them next week. They're excited by that. I'm excited that they're excited. So I have said, I'm only interested in discussing creative now. Uh, when it comes down to business, that's where my agent is going to get involved. Um, so at the moment I am, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leading the negotiations myself. But, that, but that's, that's what we buy, the being independent orders, orders yeah. is this autonomy that I kept repeating last week. Um, having that control is just so key. Absolutely. Uh, but that's really cool. That's, that's awesome. Nice idea. It's just, it's just interesting for me to know how you're, because I did know you was with an agency, because we spoke yeah. about that um, when you signed, and you, and you put on your Facebook. It's not that's not a secret. Um, yeah, no, I I released. Yeah, I sort of announced it there about two months ago that I mm. got an agent, and the reason I got an agent was again, it's a, it's slightly outsourcing. Like I said, I don't like spreadsheets, so I outsourced that. It was getting to the point where my books were selling really well in America and in Britain and Ireland. So that's probably where ninety nine percent of my sales are, um, but. I was watching other authors sort of do well with audio books and do well with foreign rights. And the idea of getting sort of 
caught up in the negotiations of all that and where do I go and how do I do it? I sort of reached out to about 10 agents in July this year. Mm. And I got some offers straight away. It's easy. If you can go to them and say, I've sold 300,000 books in the last couple of years. I'm looking for an agent. They'll get back to you. Whereas five years ago, I was I <laughs> written off to 45 agents and I didn't hear back from most of them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I signed a contract. Uh, I have an agent now and, and she's predominantly looking at that. She's trying to get me the um, contracts that I would have found difficult to get myself uh, audio deals across the board, foreign right deals across the board. And she's actually trying to get me a, a publishing deal in America for a specific trilogy I have, which is about America. It's called the America Trilogy. So yeah, she's looking at things for me and and it's great then with contracts that she can look after all that yeah exactly it just like i said it's, it's more outsourcing than signing more outsourcing. signing your rights away or signing half your money yeah. away just a quick thing when you I, sorry to say when you when you sign i like, write the email to them like you said it's, it's a very different proposition from when you did it like five years ago yeah starting out to then like now obviously when you started mm -hmm. out was your email like Oh, please, I'm really trying to make it as an author. You know, the usual thing, I've written this book and I think it could do really well. And then when you wrote this one to them, did you went, did you title it, Do You Like Free Money? <laughs> I could have. <laughs> I, I guess the opening line was something a bit like that, actually. But yeah, five years ago, I thought I was onto a good thing five years ago because I was going, well, at least I'm not one of these authors who has no experience of writing. Agents are going to be impressed by this. And I, I would write off saying, my name is David Lyons. I've been a journalist. I've written for all these national newspapers for the past 15 years, thinking, oh, they're going to think this guy's got it. And uh, shit, that's, that was senseless. That, that it, mm. it made no difference to them. They didn't care. But as soon as I can open an email with, I've sold 300,000 books. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. We would like to sign you, please. Yeah. You um, seem like the type I, of person we'd like to work with. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that makes sense. But um, I, I made it such a great, I think it's one of the best decisions I made, even though I, preach about the autonomy of independent authoring. But again, as I mentioned last week on the podcast, the isolation of independent authoring um, was impacting me. Mm -hmm. uh, as brilliant as it was that I had all this control and I was doing what I wanted for a living, I still need, I was still finding that the isolation was getting me a bit down. Hence this podcast with my good friend, Robert Enright, we were both um, felt that we needed the, the, collaboration of this to help us with our, our indie authoring. And then the collaboration that I have now with Joanna, my wonderful agent, is also a big benefit, even mental health wise for me to have those collaborations. It's, it's a big deal. Good stuff. Well, like I said, you will keep us all updated on those negotiations. And it's very, very, very exciting times. Two indie authors. So should uh, we move on to today's talking point? Yes, it's sir. A good shout. So um, we thought this would be a really good one to do early on. Uh, such a hot topic in indie, in the indie author um, world and all over social media is how we market our books. Um, I think it's safe to say neither of us would be able to do this for a living if we n not just marketed, but didn't get a handle on how to market effectively. Um, there's a myriad of ways you can market your book. Um, you know, there, there's stuff I don't even touch. Um, so I figured instead of us doing like a real deep dive into like Facebook ads or or Amazon ads, like for now, we can save that. We can park that, do that in another episode down the line. I think all of them deserve the respect of a full episode and a full discussion. Um, yeah. I figured today um, we could do sort of like an overview of how because i think we market similarly but then there's also there's differences because we do write in different genres um yeah we can do like an overview of of how we've got to the point where we're full-time through our marketing like what, what's been effective yeah. for us i also think it'd be really interesting to look at a few other aspects of it as well um so i've 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 structured it slightly uh, we'll go through that as we go through um but we'll start off david i'll, I'll start with you um like could you give our listeners an overview of your marketing strategy? Yeah, uh, um, I can indeed. So I predominantly 
market through Facebook. I found the Facebook algorithms to be a big benefit to me. They certainly were when I was starting out. Um, there has been a change in how the algorithms work in Facebook and it, it, a lot of authors and in the, I mean, I say authors, it's not just authors, of course, who market through Facebook, a lot of independent businesses market through Facebook and they're just finding it a little bit difficult to reach their audience. So what I've been trying to do over the past year is take my foot off the gas with Facebook and use other means to, to market. So um, there are there, well, there are plenty of, of different routes we can go down. AMS, which is Amazon ads and BookBub are sort of, I think Facebook, AMS and BookBub are probably the main three. Is that what I, that's fair to say, isn't it, Rob? Of yeah. Trifecta of marketing as an indie author. I'd agree with that, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I've been taking my foot off the gas a little bit with Facebook and sort of um, pressing it on a, with AMS a bit. I with, with BookBub, the odd time, maybe three or four times a year, I will sort of inquire about getting a deal. And if I get a nice deal, I will take that. But mostly it's Facebook ads. It used to be sort of 95% Facebook ads. Now I'm probably at about 80% Facebook marketing, 20% with AMS. But I do have a marketing strategy that I follow. I'm, I'm happy to talk about that um, through through this over the next 20 minutes or so that we discuss this topic. But uh, it's predominantly Facebook ads where you can nail down using the algorithms who you want to target. Yeah. Am I right in thinking your overview is pretty similar? Yeah. Um, I'd say spot on because I use Facebook ads predominantly. I'd say... 90 percent over the last year yeah. i think over the last year I, I um like we spoke about last week about how i was a lot more conservative than you in becoming a full-time author like it, i built up to it built up to it um yeah it's really been this year that it kind of went like um really well like because i nailed down the ads um yeah but i'd say about 90 percent of mine is through facebook ads um but then I have, you know, very similar ads going to just different targets. Um, like say, like the ability in Facebook ads to narrow down who you're looking for is, yes. I would say one of the most valuable skills of being an independent author beyond being able to like write a book. Yeah. I think that, that's really, really, um, a really key one. Um, if we just go back to your overview of your, uh, Facebook ads, like that's where I think you alluded to it last week. Like you hit the nail on the head with a Facebook ad for your Betsy Blake book. Yes, we spoke about that in podcast one, didn't we? Um, where as I was at this, you talk about you were hesitant going full time. It was sort of thrust upon me. Um, and I just figured it out. I, I Here's the thing about Facebook ads is there's, there's no point in any listener of this looking at my ads and thinking, well, that's what works for David B. Lyons. So I'm going to do that because I'll tell you, I have nine books published and from book to book. Now I write a sort of crime, but the more psychological mystery suspense things. Um, but one book to another, don't they don't market the same. Mm. So I've got a book about a missing girl, as we talked about, Betsy Blake. But as soon as I was hitting 60-year-old women who are interested in CSI and, you know, these television programs and, you know, Cold Case and The Missing and all this type of thing. And they also own the Kindle. And they were also interested in fiction novels. But suddenly I was finding a market. All I was doing was putting this picture of this crying girl um, with a five-star review that I got from the Irish Independent, a uh, pull quote, and the, the sales just kept clocking and kept clocking. Now, I have another book about, uh, well, I have, uh, I mean, yeah, I could pick any of them. I have another book, say, about called She Said, Tree Said, which is about a, a court case, a rape trial in Dublin's criminal courts. And that takes a different level of marketing. 
Yeah, it's not. So, it's not it doesn't sound fun. <laughs> so it's quite a hard one to market. Yeah, well, yeah, they're they're all sort of hard to market, I guess, in a sense, particularly when you're writing such a horrible sort of dark uh, mystery. But so just to cut it, in it, there, they're just sorry, David. Yeah, sure, like, go ahead. So obviously, this is a big thing about targeting in in Facebook. So how do yeah. you, you pick out people's likes and wants? Like, how do you target those types of things? Because you write you write quite dark in quite dark um, scenarios and like yeah. dark parts of the world so it must be tricky to try and find that you know you're, you're going to find someone like their likes is like missing kids like that's that's not a like category in facebook is it <laughs> like no it's not but there there are there are other authors who write similar who you can target or there are tv shows that ha- that you know produce similar genre that you can target so things like there are programs called the missing or there was an old movie called what was that one with um, Ben Affleck and Morgan Freeman? It was about a missing girl. Is it baby, Ka- Casey? Gone, ba- Casey Affleck. Gone, yeah. I was Casey. Yeah, Gone Baby Gone. Mm. It was it was the talented Affleck brother. You're right. Um, and so if you target things like that, you know you're hitting people who like that sort of genre of missing people. Yeah. So you can find it, but the, the one key to me. Um, and I say this because I have taught marketing as well for um, Facebook and, and you can reach out to me on my website, theopenauthor.com for information on that. But what you have to do with Facebook marketing is figure out who your audience is. And once you can do that, you can sort of nail it down. And there's no point in copying my audience or your audience or any other successful author's audience because it could be different, totally different. So you have to figure out who is the person that reads this type of book? Is it a 45-year-old man? Is it a 28-year-old man? Is it a 65-year-old woman? You know, who is it that wants to read this type of thing? And you have to sort of nail that down. And that's what Facebook advertising is all about. Yeah. And I think before we move on to the next thing, because our overview is very similar. Um, yeah. I think you also need to be willing to find that out. And the only way you can sort of find that out is invest a bit of money into testing ads because, um, you know, we, I'm not going to get irate about it. Like we said, no, I can't <laughs> do it. But I see a lot of posts of people saying, I've done this ad. These are the amount of clicks. I'm getting no sales. So then yeah. what that person should be doing is instead of saying Facebook ads don't work, is going into the back end of Facebook. Can you get all this granular detail? Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm a nerd. I'm a data person. You know, I did it for yeah. for a decade. But you can start analyzing. You know, if you if you send your ad out to everyone in the UK with similar authors, and for men and women, age between eighteen and sixty five plus, that's like the standard, isn't it? I mean, that's like the default yeah. one. If you then go into the back end and you go granular, and you can see that actually like eighty percent of the clicks are coming from a certain genre of people, yeah. then it's probably smart to then recalibrate the ad because you just want the people to, who are clicking the ad more to see the yeah. ad. So, yes. um, like I said, we, we probably dive really far into Facebook ads. I think we probably should. I think uh, we both want to. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it is that. But you will hear from me and Robert uh, plenty if you if you listen to this podcast. And we will repeat the words test, test, Mm. test. That's what you got to do with your advertising. You got to test, test, test. Well, if you keep that, if you are spending a hundred pound on Facebook ads and you think the best way to do that, to spend a hundred pound on Facebook ads is 10 ads at 10 pound each. So maybe do the same creative as in the same picture and the same copy, but send it out to 10 different audiences, right? And find which one of those 10 has made you back more money than the £10 you spent on it. Yeah. Oh, look at this ad. This ad has made me back £18 from the 10 This is the audience. This is what I do. Then spend £100 on that ad and earn back 180 So, But then, you know, you take it one further then. You go, okay, this is the audience that works. So I've got yeah. my audience. Now I'm going to test with different creative. I'm going to test with different images. Exactly. I'm going to test yeah. with different copy. We're going down the rabbit hole, which we knew we were good. So I'm going to move us on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, you, but you're right. You said those words again. Test, yeah. test, 
test. Test, absolutely test. Um, so we've spoke about you know our, our marketing strategy, um, which has helped us get here. Um, what would be interesting um, to hear from you, David, um, is what um, what hasn't really worked for you? What have you tried in the world of marketing that hasn't really been successful for you? Um, I was told that BookBub was going to be my baby when I um, when I began in the authoring, and I, I was a bit naive to it. And I was tapping away at my keyboard, and I came up with this creative and this audience that BookBub um, algorithms allowed me to reach. And I went back to it about two hours later to, to see had it even started yet, and it had already spent one hundred and forty pounds and at this was the stage where i was going oh my god should i be investing or how much should i be investing and i spent 140 pounds in a couple of hours with zero sales um so bookbub direct marketing has never worked for me um but i think i mean i have my theories on that i, I don't sell my books for 99p or 199 or i don't give them away for free um and i think bookbub when you do that can be can be brilliant but when you're selling your ebooks for 399 or 499 or 599 it, it's a difficult sell on bookbub so bookbub hasn't worked for me uh, i've also tried at one stage and i know this is a formula that a lot of indie authors use it just hadn't worked hasn't worked for me it would probably work for robert more than it would work for me and and, and i'll say why in a second but this idea of giving a book away for free to introduce readers to your books um, i just found one day I, I got a book bub deal in america where it gave away one of my books for free and i think i down uh, i think it six thousand people downloaded it or something like that um but i didn't get read through from it and the reason is because those guys that are seeking free books are not going to buy the next one for 4.99 because they're in it they're in it for the free books that's what they do yeah uh, also, I don't write in series, so I'm not introducing somebody to a series. And it makes sense that if you're writing in series like Robert does, which is why we, we have to market slightly differently, even though we, we gave you a similar overview of how we market our books. Um, we have to do it differently because Robert, it's obviously very beneficial for you to have as many eyes as you possibly can on book one of your series, because that then obviously makes the read through to books two, three, four, five, six, and so on. Well, that's, that's, where, that's where I make my money is through the read yes. route. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you never market books two, three, four, five, six, seven. Everything is book one. Am I right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I have a number of ads going out at the moment, but all of them are to the first book or to the first box set in the series. Yes. So I'll, yeah. I, when I release my next book, I'll stick it all over my social media. I'll let my mailing list know, but there will be no paid advertising for it. Um, but it will, it will, it will sell because I've already got the people locked in, like you said, from, from getting to the first book. Yeah, exactly. So your, yours, your strategy is different to mine. You have to get everybody on book one mm -hmm. and then they will love that and go through the series. And then that's all free money for you. Yeah. After that books, two, three, and, and so on are, are um, free money to you. And it's, it, it to be honest, from the outset or from even from the outside looking in at the indie author community and how it works, that's probably how you would, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's how you would suggest to an indie author to go about it, right? In series and just advertise the one book and then everything you earn after that is free money. Yeah. I made a very conscious decision to write a series. Yeah. Because I could see the, the notion of, you know, I, if I get hooked on a series when I'm reading myself, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm going to buy the rest of them. You're going to you know, yeah. I have enough faith in my ability to write a compelling action hero and a thriller that it will make people go, yeah, you know, I'll read the next one because I quite like that character. Um, yeah. And then it also yeah. then gives you the scope to build that character up over time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which is appealing from a creative standpoint to turn yeah. to turn a character that way um yeah absolutely but, um, and, and and then it makes the marketing that more simple doesn't it yeah it's very very easy um like i said you've got 
say eight but so you've got two trilogies and two books in your newest trilogy with the third one coming out in december yes, yes. two complete trilogies and two books in the in the third so, trilogy uh, and they're sort of all standalone so i can advertise and market any book anytime yeah so as i say which is the one benefit i have over you and that i can market any book but uh, as i said i would recommend writing in series but that's not to say not that it, it can't work any other way it works for me uh writing uh in um standalone stories mm. i just happen to i what i do is i write in i write in trilogies they're each standalone stories but the trilogies just each three books share the same narrative style or genre in a way. So I can compact them into trilogies and sell them in box sets too. And that's just and that smart. really works. That's just smart. It's just an extra commodity. It sounds horrible saying it like that. It's an extra product that you can offer. So like yes. my, my box sets cost me 50 quid to get the cover done, but they make really, yes. they make and they thousands make. because they make, because they be, make more than that 50 quid every day. I yeah, know. they do because they, yeah people go to them and they go oh, i can get actually because they're cheaper than buying the three books all together yes so um i just want to uh, talk about so what you you said there um about one of your failures was the free book club i'm going to link mm-hmm. into to something that, that failed for me um from the marketing side of it is i actually Please. went with a loss leader which is like you said offering a book for free to get people yeah. to get into the series so I did that with the first book in my Sam Pope series, uh, The Night Shift. I, I gave it out for free uh, with the hope of, you know, the more books I add on. So now I'm releasing the ninth in the series now. So, you yeah. know, the, the series is kicked on. It does well. But, you know, even when I had like five books, it's like, okay, well, if I get people in for free on the first one, they'll read it. They'll really enjoy it. I then get four book sales. Yeah, that's how I look at it. It's like, okay, we'll you have that free, but you're eventually, you're going to give me roughly 10 quid of your money because you're going to buy the rest of them. That yeah. started hot at first, the first couple of months. Great. That did really well. And then it fell off a cliff. Um, ah, okay. Absolutely fell off a cliff. So I personally, I, I would never do it again. Because, right, interesting. And I think maybe a couple of years on since I did it, I can now see more value in my work. So I, I would never put my book for free because I value my my books at higher than free. The only time I yeah. give anything for free is if people sign up to my personal mailing list, they get the first two prequel novellas, which I specifically wrote for that reason. Yes. Um, so they join my mailing list. I also sell those prequel novellas on Amazon. So I tell people, yeah. well, you know, they cost four pounds or six dollars. Or if you sign up, you get them for free. Um, yeah. And that's a slightly different tactic. And I think we'll, you know, mailing lists, I think, is one of the ones we want to talk about in more depth. So I'll go through yeah. that strategy in a bit more bit more detail. Because I think you and I both offer very different things with our mailing lists. So yeah. it'll be interesting It's sort to of do. difficult to talk about marketing, as we have done for the past um 20 minutes and will for another few minutes without sort of mentioning the mailing list because it is key for me mm. i know that when i release a book as soon as it goes out to the mailing list that that's a few thousand sales in, in the bag already um, um and, and it's a key sort of it's a key tool for me my mailing list and i know it sounds in the authors you're starting off it sounds so painful to tr- it sounds like such a high mountain to climb up to try and get a few thousand people on an email list but slowly and surely you build that up you know that 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 can be key when it comes to sales certainly around launch i absolutely agree um it means my launch day is always pretty good because people are are invested in it um yeah so lastly when we talk about marketing here what does the future hold for your marketing plans david yeah i mean there's always ideas popping into my head and there's there's things i haven't even touched on yet because there's so many avenues we can go down as as in the authors but i mean i'm not i don't even have my books in libraries yet okay and i hear i hear authors and they very often will tweet or or comment on facebook about this that every christmas they get a nice chunky check in from libraries i think every december a check will fall into their laps for a couple of grand or a couple of hundred quid or however well they've done in libraries and that's their christmas paid for and it's just something i haven't 
done and, and it really doesn't even take that much i think i just have to send a copy of each of my books to libraries and 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 they will look after it. but I, I i actually genuinely don't know so it's it's something that's been on my list probably two years robert to be honest with oh. you uh, and i just haven't got around to doing it um but if you talk about the future of marketing for me it, it, for me it predominantly i think the most important thing i can do is to continue to grow my email list and my facebook group um for where all my readers are they're sort of key components to me that's where i know i can make a post to put out an email and, and sell okay uh, and, and and i'm very close to my readers i am i call myself the open author it's <laughs> a, a sort of a, a moniker i came up with because i wanted to be open and transparent about it all not just to other indie authors but to my readers as well so i'm, I'm very open and accessible and i think that's part of the reason i do quite well is that my readers feel they can reach out to me and and I'll get back to them no problem. So they're they're invested in me, and I know when I drop a book that they're gonna they're gonna pick it up. Um, there are other things I can do in the future. What about you, Rob? What what do you want to do that you haven't done yet in terms of marketing? So you you've touched it. Book bar ads is something I've just never really yeah. really looked at. Um, and I'm quite I'm quite good at getting like under the hood of like how something works and and the intricacies in it. So I would like to have a look at that. But again, I know I could burn through money and I don't really, I, you know, if I've got marketing that's working, I don't know how badly I want to do that. Uh, the other one is, is my mailing list. I've got a great mailing list, um, but I think it could be, I've started using it a bit more now that I've, and my social media stuff since I've gone full time. I've started like, yeah. say the word, like weaponize it a bit more. Um, so yeah. I'm posting more regularly in my, like, private facebook group and my facebook page and getting more interaction that way but i think the biggest one for me is i i i barely scratched the surface with um target in america so right. i say about 10 percent, 20 percent of my advertising is spend is to the american market the rest is the uk mm-hmm. and i yes. think it's such a huge market especially for like the action hero genre when you consider like you know reacher and um you know, Mitch Rap stuff like like you know, yeah. uh, Jack Ryan. Yeah, like, your they, genre works. Yeah, in like it's a massive one. So, I think that's that's probably going to be my key focus over like I'd say the first like six months of doing this full time is I probably want to get to Good. a point where I'm at least spending the same on the American market as I am on the UK market because I think it's it's just got an untapped potential for me. So that'll be yes. that'll be my well. One. I'm going to hold you to that. I think you, you should definitely be marketing more in America. I, I, I'm now at the stage where it's sort of 50-50 spend between I lump Great Britain and Ireland in together in my targeting, and then I have separate ones for America. And um, they do just as well. So if your books are making money in the UK, um, they will definitely make money in America. So I'm going to hold you to that and press you on it to make sure you do more marketing there. Good stuff. Um, lastly, what I just want to say is to our listeners if we've spoken about anything in this kind of overview of our marketing journeys if there's something you'd like more information on or us to discuss further and in more detail then uh, find us on facebook in the two indie authors podcast facebook group and you can you know just drop us a note in there put a post on there and um yeah let us know and we'll we'll pick it up for a future episode absolutely we're all we're 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 up for hearing from you so you can find two indie authors on most social media channels i think probably the best one is is facebook to reach us because we're going to try and build a community there where we can all support and help each other and of course if you want to ask us any questions we can include it in the mailbag which i think rob we might head to now let's go two indie Right. So, David, I believe you have a question for us this week. Yeah, as we just said, predominantly it'd be great if our listeners could start asking us questions. Um, So do hit us up on our our groups, our social media groups. But this one I found on another uh, indie author group. And this question, I won't say who it's from. It was from a lady who I think has done quite well um, with a couple of books that she has out at the moment. But she was asking... What editing process do you use? I have used an editor who has been very successful with other indie authors, but um, I'm finding that there are mistakes in my books. Can you please share with me the editing process that you use? 
So I thought it was a decent question that we might tackle over the next couple of minutes, Robert. I know you're quite close with your editor, Emma. Yes, my editor, Emma, is amazing. And I'm sure if she hears this now, she'll probably be doing a little dance. Um, (laughs) But uh, I think she was giving me stick the other day because she thought this person would be a better cast for Sam if there was a movie made. So it's good. But um, I would say... um, a, use Emma, uh, obviously, because she's great. She has a Facebook thing called Creating <laughs> Perfection. Um, but I would, the first thing I'd probably say, though, is it depends what service you're asking from your editor. So like I said, I'm quite close with Emma. Yeah. Uh, we have a really good working relationship. We've been doing it for years together now. Um, and so she sort of proofreads as she edits because they're two very different things, I think, proofreading and editing. Totally, um, yeah. And I, and I think if you're paying for an editor and then you find spelling mistakes, that's not, the same as proofreading so yes. um i would say like you know very uh brief overview of me i i write my first draft i really don't worry about spelling i make sure i kind of mm-hmm. stick very rigidly to like i need to make sure the story makes sense and things in cut and then i send it to emma who picks out inconsistencies or if something doesn't work or doesn't sound right or that doesn't fit and then once yeah. that comes back i go through all of her comments I'd say about 95% of them, percent of them I agree with. Some of the others, yeah. I think, well, that needs to be in there because of you know, this reason, whatever. Um, but then I do have a proofreader. So once I get the edit back from MR, I, I, I make the necessary edits. I then resend that off. I send that off to my proofreader. And at the same time, I send it to, so we talk about mailing lists. I have a team, I call them my brain trust. Um, and they get okay. an advanced copy pre-proofread i always tell them that like this is still going off for a proofread but right. please have a read through okay. and if you find any mistakes please feel free to let me know and then oh that's interesting how many people are in that i have about interest i have about 60 but i think probably about 20 to 30 usually pick up the book and they also so it's also the caveat that on launch day they they leave me a review i ask them Great. To, and they all do it so like i usually get like about 20 30 reviews day one um, but, but the process of the editing is I then get my proofread back from my proofreader who, you know, um, I pay for the service. I then go through all those. And then after that, I go through the emails I get from my brain trust who might send me back. like, Oh, I found these 20 mistakes. Um, great. Like this word spelt wrong. You've spelt T H E R E when it should have been T H E I R or whatever. Um, yeah. And the thing is things will slip through the net. Like you should never edit your own book. Yes. Things will slip through the net from your editor from your proofreader and i think the beauty of being an indie author is you know, i get a message every now and then for someone saying yeah found a mistake in your book it's this line here i'm like oh, okay cool thank you i go into my file i change it i then re-upload the file and it means another, another huge benefit of being yeah, an independent I, author i yeah. pick up these errors so that would be i'd say the editing process is it should be handled outside of yourself and there's a you should draw a very thick line between editing and proofreading yeah i think that's key a thick line between editing and proofreading they are not the same thing your editor your editor's responsibilities are not correcting misspellings or or you know correcting grammar i mean they will do that as they go along a good editor will do that as as they go along but it's not their sole responsibility and and a developmental editor's sole responsibility is to make sure the story is as good as it can be Mm mm-hmm so she or he will do that for you, but don't expect when they give you back the manuscript that it's going to be free of error. There's going to be another process thereafter. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same as you. I pay for an editor. I, I have different editors for the different trilogies I write. So the current trilogy I'm writing is based in America. So I have an American editor who's looking after that and, and particularly sort of uh, nailing down the voice of these Americans because I'm not American. Um and I write a lot in first person. So she does that for me and developmentally edits the book. And then I will put it through two ringers of proofreaders who don't really, um, it's not a big expense. And they will read it and go through it and try and find the errors and wash them out. So that goes through two ringers. And then I'll do a final one myself, even though I don't really don't recommend editing your own books, but I like to give it a, a final read on paper with my highlighter pen out and just try and find those last couple. There will always be a couple of misspellings or something that that's gone wrong. Um, so yeah, it, it, 
I mean, to be recommended again, a lot of the things me and Robert will recommend over this podcast will cost you money because we believe in investing in yourself if you want to open an open or, or in, in the author business. So, yeah, yes, get hire an editor and then hire a couple of proofreaders to go through. And I think Rob's idea of his brain trust of having readers read an early draft of it to pick out any mistakes that they may find is is, is pretty genius do you know, do you know what? because the more eyes on it the better i i think based on that and a few other things we've said today i think we should talk about mailing this really quickly because i think it's such a vital piece of this indie author puzzle um yeah. i think we should talk about how we do it how we build them what we use them for things like that and i think just drill it into people's heads um yeah that this is you should be doing podcast. it yeah it's a key cog your email list or your i mean i don't want to say fan base but your fan base i will say it and um, whether that be true email or true facebook group that you set up for your books it, it's key that you, these people have your back they're in your corner they want to support you they're willing to help they're, they are really key people in my career to Which leads us on to my favorite part of the podcast every week, seven questions. And this, if you listened to episode one, you will know, is where we ask the same seven questions to a different independent author every week. The author for episode one that answered those questions was me. For episode two, Robert Enright. Are you ready, Robert, to face the seven questions? I am ready. You've set a very high bar, so... Oh. <laughs> well it's just going to be this is going to be fascinating every week the same questions different answers every week from different mm -hmm. indies i think yeah i think so let's go let's do it hit me with your questions david let's go so question one every week is robert are you a full-time i'm thoroughly proud over the last couple of weeks to say that i am yes only 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 a week in it so just give us a brief sort of overview i know we discussed it um on this podcast already but what sort of books do you write you have nine out now no you're writing your ninth. i am i'm writing my ninth um now well the ninth's written it's off with the editor so uh so the, the main series i write is my sam pope series which is essentially i'm i i my elevator pitch is it's jack reacher versus uh meets the punisher um so it's it's based in the uk nice. ex sniper bit of a dark past um but he sort of goes looking for injustice as opposed to just stumbles into, you know, the wrong side of town and uncovers yes. a conspiracy. He he goes digging and just nice. it's just grown and grown as each book goes on. Like one follows the other. There's like a standalone story in each of them, but there's a long interlinking you know, set of characters, relationships and things like that. And it's it's really fun to write. Um, but, yeah, they they uh, I get a lot of. Uh, nice comments from other like from fans of other authors around them so uh yeah that's what i write yeah absolutely great book so the night shift is book number one i'm right it is night shift yeah night shift check it out check it out okay question two that we'll be asking all our authors are you wide or exclusive i am exclusive uh with amazon so we we spoke about what that actually means last week but it just means i'm i can only because i'm in um kindle unlimited i can't put my books on things like kobo and apple and other marketplaces it's exclusively on amazon um like you i would love to be wide i think the the idea of it is great um however there's no way i'd be a full-time author now at this point in my writing career and this point in my life if i was wide and that's purely down to resources. And I don't just mean money because yeah. marketing to one platform, you know, costs, you know, I spend a few thousand a month on, on advertising just to the one platform, you know, advertising yeah. to the main five platforms, if you can call them that, be considerably more. But it also, it's not just the money resource, it's the time resource as well. So, yeah. you know, full-time job, young kid, trying to write books, trying to manage five platforms, different things you need to do for each of them. It just, it, yeah, it didn't stick. So for me, yeah, I'm exclusive. I made that decision as a smarter business decision for me to get where I wanted to be. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I think 
for listeners of this podcast, they will find an, an array of different answers from me and Rob about how we go about this. But when it comes to wide fee exclusive, I think we're we're the two guys singing from the same hymn sheet here. We have tried to go Mm -hmm. wide. We want to go wide. It's just, you're spinning so many plates. Yeah. And that's in that regard. And it's difficult to keep them all on. When I said earlier about the loss leader, the issue I had when I had a loss leader of a book and what didn't work was that's when I actually went wide. So first few months, because obviously I have no, I have no presence on any of the other platforms. So I stuck yeah. a I stuck night shift out for free on all of them, and for the first couple of months I was getting good sales, good sales, and then it, it like I said it fell off a cliff, and I was getting, I mean I was getting a couple of sales across five platforms, and I was like, well I was doing way better than this before on one, and I'm putting all this effort in. So, but again, we'll yeah. we'll, we'll go into that further down the line. But yeah, I am exclusive, and those are the reasons why. Yeah, we'll do a deep dive on, on wide exclusive uh, as a main talking point in, in a future podcasts. Okay, question three of the seven questions. Name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Ooh. Um, I mean, there, there are some obviously key ones. Uh, Facebook yeah. ads platform, Amazon ads platform. If I didn't have those, I wouldn't sell books. So, um Mm-hmm. I think Vellum is an honourable mention. Um, I don't know if you you yes. might have piped up about one last week, um, which is a formatting software. But um, again, I'm not going to pick that. I'd also say Mark Dawson's 101 course was a really good um, service. Obviously, it's paid for, yes. but it was it connects a lot. Of, it connected a lot of dots for me, and I know it's connected a lot of dots for another a number of other authors. Um, so I yeah. I believe that one's definitely worth the outlay. Um, but for me, I'd actually say um, my accountant is probably the one service I couldn't do without. Um, Interesting. Okay, your accountant. Why is that? Just because I think it's one of the things people probably overlook. And like you said, I think we we treat it like a business, right? I treat mine like a business. Yeah. That's why I build all these nerdy yeah. spreadsheets that track stuff. So I can project, so I can forecast how much if I spend here, how much am I going to make? I can make logical data-driven decisions. The same thing comes like with with your money like coming in coming out like and knowing what you can claim for what you can't claim for like being va uh, being vat registered all that type of thing it's, it's a world outside of mine i didn't exist in that world as a professional um when i had a full-time job and you know all of that stuff was handled by finance teams in the business i work for now it's just me i have to manage tax i have to manage vat all this stuff so I reached out and I found uh, an accountant. So obviously everyone will have different accountant stuff, but I actually think it's one of the best resources I have because it completely eliminated the worry of having to do all that side of it. Like I pay them a small fee each month to have them on retainer. So I send them questions whenever I ask. I'm in the process of asking them how to like for advice on setting up a new business account. And they're sending me like, oh, you should check this one out, this information. You know, give me all this information and answering questions, um, you know, around mortgages and things like that. So I would say, not because it's really anything to do with the writing side of it or marketing side of it, but for the the mental health side of it and the the business side of it, having someone on side who understands all that stuff that I don't is imperative yeah. to me. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. Uh, it's a very interesting answer for the service you cannot do without. But it's, I mean, I think my accountant sort of charges me 650 or £700 a year mm-hmm. to sort out my accounts. And I think I might have said this to you before, Rob, is if somebody asked, if somebody said, we'll, David, we'll give you £700 to do all your own accounts. And I believe, no, 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 no. I, I That £700 would not be worth no. it to me. I couldn't, because again... Some people will have the head on them and the brain for this. I don't have but the brain for those accounts. It's, so it's like what you say about my accountant is key to it's me. It's like what yeah. you were just saying um, just very quickly I don't like, about um, you outsource the spreadsheets for Amazon ads because it's it's not in your in your brain to, yeah. to do them. So it's not in my locker. I, yeah, I don't I don't do the finance. I you know, I don't do all that stuff. I don't calculate tax. I don't do my tax return. So I outsource it to someone who does. So yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Good answer. Thank you. Question four of the seven questions. Now we sort of have gone into this. This was our main talking point, but how do you market your books? Uh, very briefly, because we said that I, I doubled down on marketing to my first book. 
which we said earlier, like all of it is driven to the first one. I actually have the first book half the price of the second book at all times. So um, the night shift is right. one ninety nine. So all the other books are three ninety nine. Um, and same yeah. with the box sets. So the box sets are nine ninety nine. When buying all three of the books would be. Uh, 11.99 so you save money there but the first one is reduced as well the first box set so i'm sending people yeah. to what looks like a well it is a, it's a good deal it's a, you know it's it's not discounted that's the set price but the idea there is is i'm sending everyone to the first one it's got a lot of good reviews it's got a really high rating yeah. high number of them as well um there's nine books in the series it's two pound like my marketing is you know driven to the right audience so i'm effectively trying to drive yeah. them to something that says like for 199 you can't go wrong um exactly. and then that hooks them in to the series um and then you're relying on read through them to, to bring exactly in the money. so um that's that's the 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 main crux of it and i also like i said i also have um in the back of my books and on my website the ability for people to sign up to my mailing list and then they have two they get two uh they get two novellas. they get two novellas sorry my my uh my laptop just yeah. went black for a second and i really panicked um <laughs> they get two novellas that would cost them either four pounds or six dollars for free so those are the two main ways i market my books brilliant and question five of the seven questions as it will be every week is What's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? Mm. Um, Facebook ads. No, <laughs> how to effectively market a book. <laughs> um, I would say um, the biggest one is to, to know from the outset is how accessible everything actually is. Um, so yeah. I actually, like I said, I was doing my spreadsheet um, of all my sales over since I launched my first book like eight years ago, nine years ago. And do you know what? In the first three years, I made less than £400 um, because I spent wow. those years chasing publishers, signing with publishers, because I thought all the gates were closed, right? I, I thought like, well, yeah. what, what can I do? I can't do this myself. Um, so yeah. a little bit of me, I think I wish now, I wish like how I am now, all the things I've learned, if I could put that into, you know, 20, oh, oh Christ, 26 year old me, whatever, mid twenties me, I probably yeah. would have got to this point sooner. But then, sooner. you know, I think, well, actually, you know, being let down by those publishers, it's probably kicked my ass into gear a bit more to, to learn the stuff, to think like, well, I can do this better because you've let me down. Um, yeah. But I think for yeah. anyone sort of starting out, you know, they're at the outset is don't think that there's any gates that are closed because actually you know, editors, you can contact them directly. Turns out they're really nice people, cover designers. They don't just yeah. take orders from big publishers. They take it from indie authors too. Um, there's nothing stopping someone yeah. from setting up a free mailing list account and building a mailing list. It's all there. And I think it's worth yeah. knowing that it's all absolutely accessible from the get-go. Absolutely, Rob. And I think if this podcast is going to deliver any message uh, over uh, the entirety of its life is that the traditional route is not the only no. option you do not and i'm not we're not not even in just not in author terms in any business now the old traditional route that we used to have to go through and that we've been told is the way is not necessarily the way the internet and the accessibility to be able to reach these people uh, we can all do it we can all do it from mm -hmm. our own laptops at home so that that's a great answer to, to question five how will you tackle question six what's the biggest frustration for you as an indie yeah. author i reckon you think i'm gonna say how irate i get at questions that i get asked but I... well, you, well you're definitely gonna say no that, i'm right? not <laughs> i'm not i'm not because <laughs> yeah pete like i said most of those questions they come from a place of naivety or people's fear of like, gambling on themselves so although i'll get irate at them yeah um it, more because I just think just take the initiative thing I get really frustrated about is we've made it quite clear. One of the key reasons we love being indie authors is because we like the control, right? We like being in control of, I, you know, I'm in control of every aspect of my business. I get very frustrated 
when things come out of my control. So yeah. one of those things is I had a very lucrative ad on Facebook that suddenly got rejected. It had been running for eight months and it had like a really low uh, cost per click. And it was in line with the amount of sales I was getting. It was actually took one of my ones to America, one of the few that I do there. And it dropped. It just got rejected. There was nothing on it that violated any terms, any conditions. So I raised the case for Facebook and it took three weeks for them to come back to me saying, you're just going to have to do a new one. Now, things like that yeah. frustrate me because it's it's something not in my control that's impacting my business. So those things, yeah. you know, but again, by learning everything we've learned, I was able to, you know, pivot and, you know, pit, you know set something else up and now I'm back on track. But it's things like that. Like, remember when I told you a couple of weeks ago, like my Amazon account just got suspended out of nowhere. Or I, I opened yeah. it up and it was like, this account's been closed. And I was like, well, it better not be because I'm going full time in like a week's time. I, I need <laughs> this. So like those things frustrate me because I've worked very hard to be on top of yeah. everything. So when something comes out of the left field, it can be very annoying. And it can come out of left field because we're, we're slaves to algorithms mm -hmm. in this game and, and things like that, you're ads being rejected or your Facebook, your Amazon account closing. It's, it's, it's never a human being who's doing that. It's normally a machine mm -hmm. that's going beep, 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 and crunching it down. And, and, and we don't really have answers to that. And you can't talk to that machine to try and put it right. So losing that control, I can understand why is a massive frustration. Mm -hmm. That's another cracking answer. What about question seven? The final question, what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? Um, this piece of advice came to me, I reckon, 18 months ago from my unbelievably incredible wife, Sophie, um, because I was, you know, relentlessly hunting down doing this for a living, like relentless. I spent yeah. evenings doing it. I stayed up late doing it. I sacrificed time at the weekend to write books, to, to figure out marketing. And I was getting there. You know, slowly but surely, year on year, it's getting bigger, it's getting bigger. There will be a point where I will make the decision. However, I think you'll probably attest this, David, over the years we speak to you. If I get an idea in my head, I start relentlessly chasing that as well. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did this before, remember, I, I, I basically, I practically built 85% of a course that will never see the light of day because I'm not going to do that. But it's because somebody put yeah. in my head, oh, you know loads of stuff. You can make a course and that can make money and then you'll get closer to being there. And then actually, you know, I'm okay with, you know, I've got a camera, I've got a mic. I could make a YouTube channel. And I started doing all this stuff, all this stuff. And then my wife just said to me, and this is the piece of advice, and it was very profound for her, which was you can put your mind to anything, but you can't put your mind to everything. And yes. that hit, like absolute bullseye because she was just saying what what one's going to get you there it's right in the books so why are you focusing on this um venture and this venture when they're they're not even doing anything for you right now but this one here writing books is getting you where you need to be so focus on that and then you can get there and that's it's just i think it's such a good piece of advice especially for indie authors to know because there's so many posts and questions i see where someone will just put a post up saying oh i did this on tiktok and it worked and then someone will go oh i'll add yeah. tiktok to my list of things to do and it's like well just because it worked like you said just because it worked for them doesn't mean you know it's just it's going to work for you. you don't need to do everything everyone's doing if you can find the one thing yeah. that's getting you where you need to be you just focus on that and since i think since yeah. she said that to me i've probably written about four books so i basically doubled my yeah. my catalog which doubled my revenue. So yeah, I think having that said to me by the, you know, by the person I trust most in the world, um, yeah, just it hit home and it's something now when I see, I mean, you wanted to do this podcast about a year ago and I said yeah. to you, I'll do it when I get full time because I need to focus on doing that. And that's because of this piece of advice. I always just keep it at the forefront of my mind. So that would be the advice to people is put, you can put your mind to anything but you can't put it to everything. Yes, very sound advice and great answers, all seven. I'm sure our listeners will, will take a lot from that, Rob. Thank you very much.
So next week and from all weeks thereafter, we will have a different independent author answering those seven questions. Um, so we're going to go, Rob, but do you want to tell us what you have planned over the next week till we, we talk again? Um, yeah, next week, I, I'm basically I'm planning the next book next week. That's the plan um, for getting ready for NaNoWriMo. So I'm going to plan the next book. So, uh, yeah. Oh, nice. You know, it's my favorite part of the process is, is plotting out yeah. the, the next book. I really enjoy it. It's it's the most creative part yeah. for me. I am finishing up my book. It's going to take probably another three weeks to get the first draft down, and then I'll do another couple of drafts, which take a really quick. Um, so yeah, I'm at that part where I'm concluding my book to have it out in December. Perfect. Um, yeah, yeah, we're nearly there. We're both, we're both we seem to be on a similar schedule towards the end of this year. Um, if our listeners want to reach out to you, Rob, where can they? They can catch me on Facebook or Instagram, um, or you can go to my website, which is www.robertenright.co.uk, which has all the links in there. How about you? Lovely. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can catch me at theopenauthor.com or on my Facebook page, David B. Lyons. The best place, really, to reach both of us if you want to take part in this podcast or you have a question for the mailbag is to reach out to us also at Facebook at Two in the Authors. That it? We yeah, go? I'm going to go. Bye. Yeah. Brilliant. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>